Looking for a job isn't easy. It used to be that you could apply at a big name tech company and build a great career for yourself. But times have changed. Many of these companies have gone full woke. And if you aren't the right gender, ethnicity, you don't use pronouns, or if you're not an activist for the preferred cause, then good luck. Why would you risk your career on that? At Red Balloon, we're connecting good employees with top quality companies that value you for your skills and your work ethic, not your social activism score. Employers who post jobs on Red Balloon are focused on creating an enjoyable and productive work culture, free from divisive woke mandates. So if you want to find a serious career path without the nonsense, come to Red Balloon and post your resume today. Because you shouldn't have to choose between your job and your values. That's redballoon.work, where you can find your future. Hey y'all, welcome to Cross Politic on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Pastor Toby Tuck Knox, I'm the water boy. We also have uh, kind of a paradox. Paradox. Coming on the show. Uh, oh, great. Yeah. Oh, great. We, we got the, the sure founder. You know, do you know what that word means? Uh, I barely. <laughs> uh, the Pacific Justice Institute, um, which is a freedom fighting organization, but he's in Sacramento, California. Yeah. Um, huh? So he's coming up. Uh, yeah. yeah we're we're going to have to ask him about that. It's a, here in a minute. I, I don't know. Also, I thought you were going to say we have a we have a live studio audience today. We do. We do. M most of whom are under the age of 10, I think. Yeah. Our favorite kind of audience. Yes. Very <laughs> easy to please. Is that right? No, you're over 10? Oh, he 10. is 10. Okay. All right. Oh. 10, 10, and, and, and he's and old. Well, yeah, yeah. Nine? Eight? Eight? Okay, uh, okay. So Anyways. So you don't have a microphone, so I can't hear you. We love, I, I got you now. We love, <laughs> we, love, we, love, we love having the people in the studio. Yeah. Hey, um, Grace Agenda 2023 apparently maybe still has openings. I don't know. I haven't I heard yet. I think it's yet. full. I, you keep saying full, but, but they, they keep putting this ad in our, in our, okay. in our, in our show. So uh, Christian parents are tasked by God to raise their children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, which means not giving them to um, socialists. And baptizing them. Um, this is not <laughs> confined to simply making sure they have a roof over their head and getting their nose wiped. Rather, this task is an all-encompassing instruction of children. They are to be taught about this world in light of the fact that God Almighty has created and redeemed this world. Children are to grow up rejoicing in the way in which God has done all of this. Grace Agenda 2023 is on good education mm. in the Badlands. And that's coming up here in August. I don't remember what the dates are, but you should check it out. Oh, no, it says registration is full. Look at this. I just read all this whole ad. And I knew I was right end. from the beginning. They changed the ad. Registration is full. But all the talks will be posted. Sorry, you can't come. That's messed up. <laughs> this is just like, a, this is just like an end zone dance. What you know? kind of, yeah. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> but all the talks will be posted on YouTube, so you do not need to miss out. So mm. um, check out uh, graceagenda.com mm. slash donate to support this work. That you can't be there to participate in? Yeah, but it'll but make online. you... It'll be online. It'll be online. It'll be online. Support the work. And it'll make you remember to sign up earlier next year. <laughs> <laughs> that donation's kind of like a penitent donation. It's really <laughs> a little weird. penance. Yeah, a little penance. There. Anyways, check it out. Hey, we're really grateful to have with us Brad Dacus. He is the president of Pacific Justice Institute and went on to receive his Juris Doctor from the University of Texas. I put that in there on School purpose, too. Yeah, I, yeah uh -huh. we, we know yeah. he did that. He's University also the of Texas. host of the Brad Dacus live TV show and Dacus Report, airing on hundreds of stations globally. And now, for the first time ever, 
He's on Cross Politic. Hook him horns. Hook him horns, Brad. Yes. Uh, Brad, thanks for joining us on Cross Politic. Pleasure. I look forward to it. Thank you. Absolutely. You so, say that now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, <laughs> why, why did you start the Pacific Justice Institute? And what are some of the things that um, you're focusing on in that work? Yeah, I, I started back in 1997 by the, the grace of God, because uh, it's, you know, it's over one nonprofit at the time. I, uh, five years prior to that, I opened an office, a regional office for the Rutherford Institute and coordinated litigation in 14 Western states. Rutherford contracted, closed down the regional offices, offered me to a promotion to head up the public affairs office in Washington, D.C. I was going to be the, the face of the organization with all the media. Uh, I said yes, then I had insomnia. I thought, oh, shoot, I'm going to have to sleep about this. <laughs> I'm going to have to pray about this. Yeah. And um, and I did, and when I did, I really felt convicted. The question that came to my mind was, Brad, what desires has God put on your heart? And the answer was to make sure that people got that where it was needed the most, which is at the time uh, was the West Coast state of California, um, the beaches, modern-day beaches of Omaha, and the fight for religious freedom and our yeah. fundamental uh, constitutional liberty. So uh, I boldly said, yes, Lord, I will go. <laughs> I will follow you. I will move on. And so I gave God a few little requirements, space, free computer system, keep me on the radio stations for free. Be happy in the black God in just three months. I'm never going to charge anyone for any work with you. Uh, God came through on all of it. Wow. And PGI was born. Fast forward, we now have uh, 29 offices in 23 states. We have the, the largest organization in terms of our offices and in a footprint across the country than any other organization defending religious freedom, parents' rights, the sanctity of human life. Uh, as, you, as you mentioned, we've got a great uh, platform in terms of uh, our media outreach as well. Uh, the attorneys are doing a, a great job. Uh, almost, it's all, almost all donated office space. In fact, I think it is all donated office space, almost all donated utilities. The media is donated. So we put all our resources efficiently into doing the work to make sure uh, un uniquely that everyone gets help, that no one's left on the side of the road. Uh, we don't just cherry pick a few high profile cases out there. We're very unique. We actually have a ministry heart. We want to make sure everyone gets help. We do all our work without charge. If people need assistance or like to keep up with our cases, they can go to our website, pji.org, pji.org. Well, our audience is, I mean, they're pretty criminal here. <laughs> so you're probably well, going to get a lot of... Mm. Uh, a wave of signups after this. So, right. yeah. So, so talk to us. I mean, uh, like we're familiar with like, for, for example, like um, Alliance for Defending Freedom, Thomas More Society, uh, Thomas More Society. Who's backing me. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, in, in what ways would Pacific Justice Institute differ from those um, fairly well-known um, outfits? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, a, a practical quantitative assessment. Uh, we, uh, have the highest rating under charitynavigators.com, which is looks at efficiency and transparency, integrity. Uh, we have the highest rating of any comparable organization in the country, bar none. Um, some organizations are not members of ECFA. Uh, we are, and uh, we have a great relationship with them and a, a great rating. Um, we're uh, also unique in that we don't just, as I mentioned before, cherry pick high profile cases. It's not about just getting the big game cases. Our goal is more of a ministry heart. We want to make sure everyone gets help, that no one's left on the side of the road. Mm. And then I mentioned before, we don't just have like one office where we then fly people in to handle a few, you know, cherry pick cases. We actually want to make sure everyone gets help. So we have a different, different structure. Yeah. We have 
29 offices in 23 states, coast to coast, from Miami to Boston to Seattle to Honolulu, Southern California, Dallas, Chicago, and many places in between. Um, so we work hard to make sure everyone gets help. We have a, the largest platform, and we're also very e efficient with our resources, as you'll find by under charitynavigators.com uh, or .org. It's, it's, uh, we have the highest rating for efficiency and usage of our funds, and work hard. And we're also broader also in that we, we get involved in some areas that other organizations won't touch. You know, for example, uh, social workers threatening to take kids from families, Christian mm -hmm. families, uh, for no legitimate reason. You know, maybe it's because, like a case we just had recently, a Christian family adopted three kids. The, the oldest kid ran away from home, teenager, a lot of issues, wants to change her gender, and uh, which, according to the eyes of God, that's simple, but right. in the world's way, language, they're trying to change her gender. And she tells a social worker, my, my Christian parents, that they adopt me. They're not affirming. They're not saying this is wonderful for me to have all this done to me. And social worker who many of them are into this LGBTQ movement, yeah. she goes, oh, well, these, these, they may be dangerous to the two you know, minor children um, in elementary school. But what if those two kids someday want to change their gender? Oh, we got to take these kids from this, these parents. Wow. So we had to go into court and defend the, the ability for this Christian family to keep their two children that they adopted, not foster kids. These are their kids simply wow. and solely because the social worker establishment in California and many parts of, around the country believe that Christians who believe that way are dangerous to children. Well, we won. They kept their children. But this is a classic example of the kinds of a unique cases that we're involved in that other organizations simply aren't touching. Brad, um, I mean, isn't it the, you know kind of evidence that your corporate headquarters are in Sacramento, California, and you're kind of a losing organization, man? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, qualify, let me qualify it to you a little bit there. Uh, our legal headquarters, where our chief counsel works out of, is in Sacramento, California. Our legal headquarters, where we are legally registered, is actually in Dallas, Texas. Promised land. Uh, we, yes. <laughs> we did that for uh, legal strategic reasons. Yeah. We also have a separate center for public policy that allows us to work uh, with churches and making sure their voice is heard. We've gotten... Uh, just this last election alone, we got over 500 churches to do voter registration days, mm. resulting in almost 15,000 new votes, which impacted, we know, the outcome of several very key congressional races. Interesting. Uh, we just wanted churches and the people in the church to exhibit the love of Christ and uh, in every way, and that includes exhibiting it on election day, showing that they care if you vote, and we want to allow them to have that, that testimony, whatever that might be. So uh, it's um, it's 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 really uh, interesting what we're doing and yeah. and uh, we just not only take our cases but we're also upriver empowering churches and people of faith and also working on uh, with regard to state legislatures yeah. to uh, pass uh, positive legislation that uh, protects things like girls in locker rooms in public schools wow. in uh, six plus states. So um, in in twenty twenty, um, I was uh, uh, I was not wearing a mask outside. And I got arrested in my town for not for singing psalms and not standing six feet apart from my friend. You could have it hurt was, somebody. It was crazy. It was crazy. So my cops arrested me. We were protesting. My church was protesting the local city ordinance. And uh, I got arrested, went to jail, so forth. And, and when I got out, um, uh, Alliance Defending Freedom reached out to me, uh, uh, Liberty Council, um, America First, um, Liberty Council, or, or uh, um, 
it, it's backwards. Council, Liberty, something I forget. A bunch of organizations had reached out to me um, to, to take my case, basically religious discrimination against me um, and the city violating my First Amendment rights. And I remember talking to all the organizations and like what you said, there's a calculation that a lot of these organizations run. You know, why would I, they have this kind of, you know, legal calculation. Is this co- case going to get a lot of publicity? Right. Is this case likelihood going, of winning, likelihood of, likelihood of winning, establish any good precedent, you know, yeah. kind of that, kind of that stuff. Um, and I ended up, uh, I remember interviewing or I was interviewing, um, the president of Thomas, of Thomas More society. And that dude, he's like Godfather. Um, I mean, he's a, he just was a fighter. What, what can I do for what, you? What can I, I got you, man. I got you. <laughs> and I remember talking to him, and and after like 15 minutes of talking to him, I was like, man, I want to work with this guy. I, I didn't really want to work with the other organizations because he came across as such a fighter. And and um, why are these organizations kind of – I understand you want to be prudent and wise in some of the cases you take, but I also – felt like they were calculated in a way where they're almost kind of risk adverse on some areas where I didn't think they should be risk adverse. If that is my kind of question making sense a little bit to you. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's a business mindset, if you will mm. agree. Um, you know, and that is, you know, what's going to get us uh, the biggest exposure, uh, what's going to uh, can our funding department, fundraising department used, you know, it's, it's, it's a sort of a business mindset the problem, you know, I can see that from a business perspective, it makes a lot of sense. You're going to bring in more revenue. You're going to have, have to, you know, spend less money, you know, actually defending people, you know, just focusing on those special cases. Mm. And they do that a lot. Your case was one where they said, hey, this is a great case and you have people competing for it. The problem is most cases out there aren't like that. And people are, are left on the side of the road. And that's why we work hard to make sure we can have high profile cases. We had a huge major victory from the Supreme Court this last year. But our goal, though, is, is like I say, to make sure everyone gets help. You know, before the pandemic, about 30% of our kids were criminal defense cases. Defending, mm. they all had something in common. They were all ministers or pastors. Wow. And they were all preaching the gospel in public places. And they were being arrested by intolerant uh, local governments uh, who didn't like what they were preaching. Mm. And they were being criminally prosecuted. Had we not stepped up, they would not have been defended. I personally flew into uh, San Antonio, Texas, uh, also in um, in El Paso, Texas. Uh, we've had the cases Dallas. These are this is just Texas. I'm giving an example because uh, that's a state I'm licensed in to practice. And we've had these cases all over the country. Uh, and our our conviction is if we let just one of these people, be pastors, ministers, be prosecuted, put behind bars, it has a negative. Uh, ripples across the country and we want to make sure that doesn't happen we want to make sure everyone gets that protection and uh, that's that's what we do you know wholeheartedly with without apology we also work hard like for another example of something different unique that we handle that others won't lift a finger on generally is uh, religious asylum cases and i'm not talking about people who are bogusly lying you know coming up from across the border because some attorney from america sent them to, told them what to say and sign and no uh, i'm talking about real Christians or Jews, Jewish people too, who are persecuted uh, from a, a Muslim country or radical or communist country. Yeah. And if they're sent back, they're going to die. So we've represented, we stepped up to do this because no one else was doing it. Mm. And so we've saved the lives of a, a pastor in Bangladesh. The other pastor had already had his throat slit. Mm. We saved the lives of him and his family. A girl from Nigeria who converted from Islam to Christianity 
and her uncle and relatives were out to kill her. Um, and in Egypt, who was just beaten and whipped and was going to, uh, you know, be tortured to death. So we've done these these things. And recently, about a hundred Afghan Christian Afghan refugees, uh, Baptist mission organization, contacted us and said, "We need your help." I said, "Well, is there anyone else that can take these cases? They're they're outside the United States, technically." They said, "No, no one else is doing it." Hmm. So you know what we did? I contacted our attorney out of our Ohio office, Whitney Webster. She just so happens to have expertise in immigration law. She said, I'll do it. We got all of them rescued out of a refugee camp in a Muslim country. And they're now in the United States and Canada working with the Baptist Mission Organization doing out Muslim Afghan refugees in uh, in a a fantastic way. So we're about building up the kingdom of God and, and we're willing to do it in many different ways, making sure everyone gets help. And it's a real joy and delight to have such a wonderful team of of uh, committed people to work with, with servant hearts. That, that is really neat. I, I want to, can I? Go ahead. I know you. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, this is normal. <laughs> <laughs> you, do you, you can, I mean, you can play your black privilege card if you I didn't, want. No, you just did, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else brought it up. Um, I, I just want to read the ad. Okay. That's all I was going to, I want to read the ad, but then I, will, I actually want to ask him about, um, we, we talked to a gentleman yesterday named Mason Goodnight um, about, um, he just got fired uh, yeah. from a county jail in Oregon um, for refusing to sign off on new transgender policies in this jail. But first, are you subscribed to our CrossPolitik email list? If you're not, you really should be. Being subscribed to our email list means you won't miss any updates about CrossPolitik or the Fight, Laugh, mm. Feast Network. You'll hear about what's on the schedule for the week, live events, conference updates, rowdy Christian merch, updates from other shows within the, the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, and you'll hear from sponsors on the show as they seek to take dominion for God's kingdom in the business world. Also, if you sometimes miss a show, it also would give you highlights on kind of who we had on that week that yep. uh, that we think you really can't miss. Just, or, or discounts to the conference. Oh, that too. And, yeah. That's kind of big. You know, yeah. Club memberships yeah. and all, all the stuff. So yeah, to yeah. subscribe so you don't miss anything from CrossPolitik and the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, simply enter your email address at the bottom of the page at fightlaughfeast.com. Again, go to fightlaughfeast.com and subscribe. Put your email address there at the bottom of the page. Um, hit subscribe. Yep. So we had um, we had Mason Goodnight on um, yesterday, yep. and um, he's he's this Christian um, corrections deputy for over twenty seven years in, in Roseburg, Oregon. Yes, Roseburg, Oregon, in Douglas County Jail, and um, and he described to us the situation where, that led to him um, getting fired, and um, and I'd love to love to hear. Um, uh, from you, Brad, and just sort of like here's here's Joe out here, you know, Joe Christian being faithful, and love to hear you know, some of your response um, to his situation. Um, here's Mason, and I was okay with that. Of course, I respect everybody. Everybody's an image bearer. I love everybody. I want everybody to be saved. I preach the gospel a lot through this. I was making clear. I I want to protect them, treat them professionally, and I re- respectful, courteous treatment. But then there's a comma, and it says, as well as respect the sexual orientation or gender identity of any person in custody. And at that, I drew the line from the beginning. I said, I'm not going to respect that which God calls sin. Mm. God, there's no such, I tell Mm. people in several places, there's no such thing as transgenderism. Just like there's no gay marriage, gay mirage, you'd God define what marriage is, therefore marriage is a man and a woman. There's no such thing as transgenderism. He defined by creating a man and a woman, and all you can do is mutilate your God-given identity. You right. cannot transfer it to anything else. Right. And so I refuse to even affirm that it's a, that's a reality, let, let alone say I'm going to support it or respect it. So that's a start. 
But then they get into the actual things we have to do. If they say that it's a female, when they come in, we'd have a female deputy there, get gloves on, be ready to do a pat down search to check for weapons or anything there. But if that female walked in and said, I would not, I don't want a female to search me. I want a male to search me. According to Priya, they do not allow (laughs) cross gender searches unless it's an exigent emergency circumstance, which is, of course, what we've always been trained for, what we do. However, if she uttered the magic word and said, oh no, I identify as transgender, I identify as a man. Here's the kicker. Then, They'll say, all right, Deputy Goodnight or whoever else is their male will then come over and search. It's immoral and ethical, and we don't do cross-gender searches. So I've never been trained to search a pat-down search on a woman, but we're going to do it because she <laughs> identifies as a male. He so got fired, after, basically. After 27 years yeah. serving in uh, Douglas County Jail, uh, Mason Goodnight was fired. To my knowledge, I, I think I think he's planning to go on into you know evangelistic ministry, um, but yeah. um, we're hearing more and more of these kinds of stories, Brad, um, what, um, what is, um, the Pacific justice Institute's role in, in a society that's doing this more and more, that's discriminating against Christians and, and, and Christian ethical values. Um, wh- what do you have to say to folks like this? I first to call Pacific justice Institute immediately. Uh, we, we are representing people just like him all across the country. There's a security guard in Iowa that was fired uh, because he led a Bible study on own time several years ago where he is covering scripture that dealt with uh, some of these sin issues. Yeah. And because they were not politically correct, he was fired, even though he had a spotless record. In Oregon, we have two teachers who were fired because their own p- position about pronouns, nothing they did on, actually even on the job at school that was objectionable, just their opinions and beliefs. Mm. Uh, so what he's, what, and we have uh, right now over 100 cases dealing with Title VII people who are fired because of their faith and their convictions. Mm. Almost all of them are Christians. So he should not hesitate to contact us. Uh, I will say in his case matter, uh, specifically, uh, there's made legal issue. Uh, he's required to respect. Respect is a belief. It's a conviction. It's a personal uh, issue of conscience. And uh, you, you, they're asking him to, to violate or to presuppose uh, a, c- a conviction that's not there. Uh, that's the problem. It's one thing about how you treat someone. Right. Um, it's another thing how you believe. And the interpretation here is respect is about a personal belief problem there because he's protected under the First Amendment not to have to compromise that. And then also the searching. Good night. This is outrageous. We see this happening in a very twisted way uh, across the country where uh, you have you know the males you know searching females. Uh, when people even, let's say that they are trans, okay, and, and God loves them, and we do need to uh, to make sure that they are, uh, you know, are treated pro- appropriately and bullied, et cetera. I get that. But the, the, the studies show, with regard, specifically with regard to men, uh, the overwhelming majority of men, biological men, who identify as transgender are still sexually turned on by women. Now, understand what we're talking about here. So you have a biological man who has gender dysfusion yeah. and he's asking for a woman to strip to search him, strip search him or to search him. Um, that in and of itself is very problematic. Just the facts uh, of it and dehumanizing to the, the person that they're asking to do the searching. So yeah. uh, I think he has a great case and I would love to take him. We have an office uh, there in uh, Oregon. We had some multi-staffed off- office 
and we'd love to, to represent him and people just like him without charge. Isn't it great that God tells the best stories? I, I, I talk about this, and then his response was, good, good night. Good night. I know. Which is good other, night. That's his name. His name is actually Mason Goodnight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, go ahead. I was wondering, you know, you've been doing this since 1997. Things have to look really, really different from when you started. And I'm just wondering, what are some of the most drastic things that you've seen change in law since 1997? And, and, so, and I have a follow-up yeah. to that. <laughs> Go ahead. Some of the most drastic things we've seen, of course, is one thing that we just talked about, uh, redefining gender and gender identity, uh, which is turning logic and reasoning, psychology, uh, science, biology, TED. Uh, I call it the emperor has no clothes doctrine. It it makes no sense. It's everyone pretending something reality at the expense of the, the of liberties and freedoms for people who who uh, have convictions to the contrary. And so uh, that's in general a huge issue. The purging of people of faith from the work has never been what it is today. Mm. We've personally actually represented and assisted or assisted hundreds of thousands, hundreds, but hundreds of thousands. To, uh, people of faith, Christians specifically, to keep their jobs uh, when they refer religious grounds to get the controversial vax, uh, the COVID nineteen vax yeah. uh, that were vaccines were out there. Uh, it's it was unreasonable. It was no accommodation attempted, uh, just blanket refusals. And Dan and we've saved the lie uh, the jobs of uh, countless numbers across the United States. What really also su surprised me, and I thought I would never see in my lifetime is when all the churches were shut down, and then in particular states, uh, strip clubs were opened up, restaurants were opened up, Home Depots opened up, but the churches, oh no, the virus is just too too prevalent and dangerous for some reason about churches. Yeah. Uh, as if the, the, the virus can tell the difference between a church and a movie theater or something else. So um, it was outrageously uh, bigoted and discriminatory faith, churches, institutions of faith, uh, I never thought I'd see that in my lifetime. Fortunately, we took on the case. It went all the way to this point where we got an emergency injunction, which is a miracle in and of itself, uh, in just three days, ordering the governor of California, Governor Gavin Newsom, open those churches now. And he did. And it sent shockwaves across the country. Wow. I thought I'd have that battle in my lifetime. But uh, I did I, I did see it. And, I, and on the good side, we saw Roe versus Wade over some of the best yeah. religious freedom yeah. Uh, precedents coming out of the Supreme Court, and I have to give my personal uh, thanks to the former President Donald Trump for some of the most profound uh, court appointments ever in my lifetime, uh, which has had a wonderful major impact on our freedoms and liberties moving forward. With, with you know, right now you look at our our, our current slate of of government from our federal government. You got transgenders leading in politics. You have them in office there um, under this current administration. And so I guess the question I'm asking is, with that being the case, and the more I think Minnesota has on their city council, they have a transgender person serving. Yeah. With that coming, do you how long do you think religious liberty is going to hold up as an argument right now? Well, I would say 10 years ago, I would have been very pessimistic uh, if you were to tell me years ago. But 10 years ago, like I said, I wasn't aware that we were going to have the incredible Supreme Court appointments, the court appointments, even the district court appointments that we had. 
from 2016 to 2020. Mm. So because of the who we have in our courts that respect the Constitution, respect the First Amendment, yes, it's going to be intensive. Um, and the battles of, of freedoms and liberties uh, in this regard. Uh, I believe in the short term, intermediate term, we're going to prevail from a freedom perspective. However, the real battle is in the long term, and that is the, the soul of America, as we see a whole new generation coming up with very uh, twisted perceptions of things like religious freedom, uh, free speech. Millennials believe free speech should only be protected if it doesn't offend anyone. Mm. We don't need a first a free speech clause. <laughs> if, if, it, if, if everyone's going to agree with what you say. So uh, it's very disturbing in that regard. Also, in the, uh, there's a, this, there's been a major, um, just a twisting of thinking. Uh, what's right is, is wrong, what's right. And in the long haul, uh, as far as the soul of America, I'm very concerned, absent of spiritual revival, um, our nation uh, is, right. is going to face some terrible situations. God sometimes uses uh, hard time nations back to him. He's done it in our nation's history before. That's yeah. right. uh, he may do it again. In the meantime, we need to live our faith, share our faith, and be responsible to protect our faith as not as a gift of man, but as a gift from God that we appreciate so much. Mm. Brad, thank you for joining us. PGI.org, PGI.org. Go there yeah, man. and fight the good fight. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if you got any criminal problems, you might want to yeah. contact them. They'll help you out. Yeah, yeah. do it. <laughs> if you're single, get married. If you're married, have you some kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until tomorrow, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politics. Do you smell that? I hope you're not used to it. I'm talking about that vicious, eye-burning, skin-peeling smell that surrounds all of us. The smell of proxy wars with overtones of the parties and Hunter Biden's photos. Feminism, trans madness, faux pandemic, real panic. Climate tyranny, social media slavery, Epstein's suicide. Fair elections with hints of brimstone charred oak. And the Pelosi's stock profits all stewing in a Houston Planned Parenthood's dumpster in August. That is the smell of the thing we once called America, dead and composting. The postmortem on America isn't complicated. First founded by starving pilgrims and slaves, refugees and immigrants crying out to God for deliverance, this nation was pitched like a tent by men and women struggling in the mud and the dust who survived drought and depression and twice left home to bleed and die and save the world. Yes, there was hypocrisy, pietism, self-righteousness, injustice. But this land became strong despite it all by God's grace and by the sacrifice of farm boys crawling up foreign beaches and the sweat of their fathers, tilling soil and feeding beef. American boys tamed the sky and walked in space. We touched the world with our navy, our love of sports and stories, underdogs and barbecue. And now, we touch it all with our rot. The greatest nation in history has been laid low by one simple evil. Lies. The deadliest was the first, the lie that our greatness was our own doing, and so many more came after. The lies of secularism, moral neutrality, and self-fulfillment of feminism and Marxism, 
the lies of the sexual revolution and evolution, pointless wars and taxation, inflation and a manipulated currency, the lies that lashed out at God, tearing away at our belief in beauty, goodness, and truth, the lies that sought to place our own lusts and the lusts of our masters on God's throne, lies to control, to placate, and to destroy. The storm of lies has reached hurricane force now. Whole states are being evacuated. The deception swirls so fast and furious that the liars don't even bother to hide it. Question, where do lies get their power? Answer, from the idiocy of the deceived. How many lies can a people believe before it's their own fault? One, two, 44,000. Lies lose all their power when the deceived become wise, when their minds are no longer easy to bridle and control, when they learn to think and can seek the truth through any fog, and when they learn to laugh at those lies, the winds will reverse, the fog will clear. Do not despair. These are the times we were given. We are the people God made for this moment. The faithful and the undeceived will rebuild in the ruins, and we will do it singing, feasting, loving, and laughing. We will plant again, and we will harvest 30, 60, and 100-fold. After all, composting empires make the richest soil. New St. Andrews College. Liberal arts for lovers of truth. Laughing at lies since 1994.